Well, welcome to the podcast once again. My name is Giles Stevens. Great to have you with us. And this week I want to take you into our live service that we recently recorded here in Goiânia, Brazil. It's kind of strange. Here we are in the outback of Brazil, about a thousand kilometers from the nearest coast and a long way from the US or the UK or other English speaking countries. And yet there's so many people who speak a little bit of English or want to get their English better. And obviously in this world of real time communication through the internet, we realize that as we put out these messages on YouTube or Instagram or other social media platforms that we can get this wonderful message of God's grace right around the world. And that's why we started a English speaking service here in the middle of Brazil. The first service we had, we had 50 people. The second one we had, we had 100. Then we had 150. And more and more people are coming along each time. And we had a lot of fun in this last one. And I spoke on this terrific subject, how to live a full-on life. Really hope you enjoy it. I want to talk to you today about how you can live a full-on life because of Jesus. Amen. In Portuguese, we say uma vida intensa or viver intensamente. But in English, it doesn't work. So the best way to describe the life that God wants for you, I believe, is using the term full-on. It means more than full. It means you're full and you're on. Amen. So I want to give you some keys to live that life. We know that Jesus came to give us three types of life. Eternal life, long life, and abundant life. And this word abundant or full or intense, it really means that you appreciate every moment. That you maximize every minute. That you don't let a day go by without experiencing the blessing of God, the presence of God, and the life of God. So God has this life for you, a great life, a full life, an overflowing life, the best life you can possibly have. He wants his life to manifest inside of you, the God kind of life. Amen. Normally, when we speak about a full-on life, uma vida intensa, people think of radical sports. I have a friend who started a channel, a TV channel years ago called Extreme Sports. Maybe you watched it on your cable TV. And this channel shows all sorts of sports snowboarding and surfing and mountain climbing. Normally, people who do those sports, they love them because of the adrenaline that they experience. We call them adrenaline monkey, uh, adrenaline junkies, not monkeys, junkies. People who are addicted to adrenaline. And some people think that that's where the fullness of life is, when you are full of adrenaline. You know, when I was a student at Oxford University, I was part of a club called the Dangerous Sports Society. And we were the first young people in the United Kingdom to do bungee jumping. Has anybody done bungee jumping? Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> I remember throwing myself 
literally, I was one of the first five people. I threw myself down from this tall uh, crane. I remember my heart. I was so scared. I was so afraid. I had so much adrenaline. But let me tell you, I didn't enjoy it. If I did not, I, that's not where life is. Other people tell you that to have a full life, you need to commit lots of sins. You need to be a radical sinner. But these people are deceived. Why? Because the more you commit sin, the more you destroy your life. For every high, there is a low. For every pleasure, there is a pain when you're sinning. So the fullness of life isn't there. Normally, when you want to have a pleasure, there is a cost involved. So you should be careful what pleasures you have because you will pay for them. And when it's sinful pleasures, you can be sure sooner or later, you will pay the price. It's not, the fullness of life is not in sinning. Some people also say that the fullness of life is when you become very rich. But we know as well, there are rich people who are depressed. There are millionaires living in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, in a huge mansion with eight bedrooms, but they are isolated, alone, and depressed. So it's not in riches. Somebody said, well, let me become rich first and then I'll tell you if fullness is, is there. I say to you, don't bother. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. He had much more than you and I will ever have. He had the best clothes. He had the best houses. He had the best food. He had the best wine. And he had 1,200 women. Say, Lord, have mercy. He went after all the things of the world. And what did he conclude? It's all vanity. All is like grasping for the wind. Doesn't fill your heart. Your heart is bigger than that. Say amen. So then, where is the fullness of life? What is full on living? Well, I'm going to give you tonight seven quick keys, seven spiritual truths so that you can know what is the fullness of life. I want you to have a radical change in your thinking tonight. Say amen, somebody. So the first thing, guys, if you can follow me. So the first thing is, is to remove condemnation from your life. Amen. So people who feel condemned, they constantly remember their past mistakes, their past sins. They're always looking backwards and regretting. They're always thinking, oh boy, what did I do? I was so foolish. I was so stupid. But I'm here to tell you, forget it. I'm here to tell you, don't focus on those things. It's not that we ignore the past, but we believe that the debt was paid for our sins. So our past sins have been washed away. If God has wiped them away from his memory, please wipe them away from your memory too. Say amen. You know, if you go to a restaurant and you are dining with a friend like Aaron here, good friend, and you order the most delicious things on the menu. Filet mignon con molle di madera. Wow. 
And that is after your entrada of lagosta con alio. Wow. Imagine you have a beautiful, delicious dinner. You finish. What's the pudding I like here? Creme di papaya. Alguien gostes, huh? You have this, and you have a delicious dinner. And then the waiter, the garçon, he arrives with the bill. And you look at the bill and you think, boy, that's big. But because Aaron is with you, Aaron's a generous guy. He grabs the bill and he says, brother, don't worry, I'm paying the bill tonight. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Now here's my question. If Aaron paid the bill, do you need to pay the bill? No. Do you need to be worried about the manager of the restaurant being paid? Do you go home thinking, oh, I didn't pay the manager. I forgot to pay. The, I, I got to pay the manager. Do you think that? No. Why? Because my friend paid the bill. The debt is paid. Listen to me. Your debt has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners, the rich one, the glorious one. He quitted your bill. You don't need to worry about any debt any longer. Forget your past sins. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say amen. Say to your neighbor, he's preaching to you tonight. Talking of this, some people live a life of condemnation, of guilt, not because of their past sins before they were Christians, but today, because you look at your life and you think, I'm not so spiritual. I wish I could be like Pastor Marco here. He prays intensely. He fasts 21 days just on water and English tea. But me, oh, I broke the fast at three o'clock. Oh boy. Huh? But me, I only prayed for five minutes. But me, I didn't read my Bible today. And you're constantly condemning yourself. You think that maybe God is angry at you or at least a little bit disappointed because you could be here, but really, once again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. God wants us to live a perfect life, but... He has given us grace to remove all our imperfections. He's not disappointed. He's not angry at you. Actually, he's happy with you. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. Huh? That what makes God happy. The Bible is clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, you please him. When you believe in Jesus... That's what makes God happy. Not your performance, but his performance. Not your work, but his work. Not your righteousness, but his righteousness. Somebody shout amen, please. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, condemnation comes because of the devil's accusations. I want you to silence that voice. Don't listen to that voice. Don't believe what he says Believe what the Bible says. 
Amen. Because if you believe the accusation, it will lead you to condemnation. And if you have a spirit of condemnation, it's like a heavy spirit. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so poor. God's not happy. And it will weigh you down. It will make you heavy. God doesn't want you heavy. Light. He wants you jumping and shouting. Say amen. Now think about it with me. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. And God said to them that they would not enter the promised land. Imagine living in the desert for 40 years. Imagine 40 minutes. That's already tough. Imagine if I said to you, you have to stay here four weeks. Tough. How about 40 weeks? Tough. How about I say to you, 40 years. In fact, you're going to stay here until you die. In other words, every day you're eating the food and you think to yourself, nothing's going to change. I'm going to eat this for the rest of my life. Every day you're lying in the sand and you're thinking, nothing is going to change. I'm going to sleep in the sand all my life. You see, condemnation drains your life because it doesn't give you a future. Because you can't see anything better. God has got the promised land for you. But you can't get into the promises if you're condemned. I remember reading about prisoners who went to Nazi camps. Prisoner of war camps in the Second World War. And many of them remained strong because they kept dreaming of the day that they would be free. And that hope of being free was the fire that kept them alive. But if they lost their hope, if they thought there's no escape, I'm going to be here till I die. The moment they believed that, they started to die. Please, friends, understand. There is hope for you. There is future for you. Let go of condemnation. He hasn't got a desert for you. He has the promised land for you. Stop thinking about your failures. Stop looking to yourself. Look to the victory of Jesus Christ. Look to him and you will suddenly find life bubbling up on the inside of you and you will be able to uh, inherit the promises of God. Say amen, somebody. Let's go to number two. Live in peace. Say that with me, please. Live in peace. Live in peace. You see, you can't live fully if you don't have peace in your heart. You need to be in a place of peace. You know, peace, when you have peace, it produces joy. You can't be genuinely happy if you're not at peace. Peace on the inside produces joy on the outside. Are you hearing me? And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you want to live the full life, the full-on life, You need to have peace. You need to live in a place of peace. But again, in order to have peace, you need to know that you have been justified. Say justified. Romans 5 and 1 says that therefore we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Say that to your neighbor. You have peace with God. God's not against you. You see, peace comes when there is no war. If there's a war... There's no peace. Now, God's righteousness was against sin. But here's the good news. God put your sin on Jesus Christ and castigated him in your place. Say amen. So now the war is over. God has 
peace with you. Hallelujah. Peace comes only when you are not afraid of your future. If you're anxious about your future, you won't, be, you won't sleep well at night. Is that true? But when you think it's okay, tomorrow's going to be okay, uh, my future's in God's hands. The same thing if you have bills to pay, big bills, big debts. You don't sleep well. You don't enter the rest. Why? Because you're worried about paying it. You're worried about meeting God. Many, many Christians today are worried about meeting God. If you're worried about meeting God, it's because you're still looking at yourself and you're not looking at Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at Jesus and all your fears go away. Say amen, somebody, please. So the second thing is to have peace. Because when we have peace, we prosper. When you buy something off a salesman, do you buy the product from somebody who's agitated, who's turbulent, or do you buy from the person who's at peace? You see, peace attracts. If you want to advance your business, be peaceful. If you want to attract more clients, be peaceful. If you want to grow your cell group, be peaceful. If you want an English service to touch the corners of the globe, let's be peaceful. Say amen. Hallelujah. Peaceful people produce an environment that helps others relax and enjoy. Isn't that right? Say to your neighbor, live in peace. Tell them, calm the storm in your mind. So here's the first two principles. Condemnation, get rid of it. Okay. Second thing, live in peace. Why? Because condemnation looks to your past, but anxiety looks to your future. God doesn't want you to have either condemnation or anxiety. People who are anxious suffer in advance. Are you understanding my English? Don't suffer unnecessarily. You don't need to. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for today are its evils. Amen. God's already in your tomorrow, preparing the way. So don't be anxious about the future and don't be condemned about the past. Live in the present. Unless you're focused on today, you'll never experience the fullness of life. Make the most of today. Tomorrow's going to be great. Amen. Hallelujah. But what about now? What about tonight? Shall we have a great night? Shall we have one of the best nights of our lives? You choose. You choose. Amen. So number three, Keep going. Have good expectations. Have good. Have positive expectations about your future. Amen. You know, you only really begin to live the full life when you know how much you're loved. Isn't that right? When you realize that you are so loved, so special, you begin to flourish. You begin to blossom like a flower. So you need to have a positive expectation. Why? Because God loves you. And the scripture says here in John 17 and 23, it says that Jesus said, you have loved them as you have loved me. Talking to his father. Father, you love them just like you love me. This, so this word, as you have loved me, literally means in the same way that God loves Christ, he loves us. Now, here's a question. Do you know how much God loves God the Father, loves God the Son? Is it possible to measure? Is it possible to imagine? 
Is it possible to define? Is it possible to describe? I don't think so. The way in which God the Father loves God the Son is infathomable, indescribable, immeasurable. It's impossible for us to know the amazing love between God the Father and God the Son. But here's the point. He loves you the same way. And if God loves you so much, just think what he's going to do for you. Just think the blessings that he wants to pour out on you. Amen. Somebody once said, there's nothing better than knowing that somebody loves you. I hope, I think my wife loves me. But when she says to me, honey, I've been thinking about you. When you come in from a hard day's work and your wife says, "Mm, baby, I've been thinking about you all day long. What does that do to the man? He just goes, life begins to, life begins to burn on the inside of him. You begin to really live. Here's my point. You may have a beautiful wife who says that to you. You may not, but you have a heavenly father who's thinking about you all day long. The Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's thinking about you. He's got good plans for you. He loves you just as he loves the son, Jesus Christ. Say amen. Third thing is have positive or good expectation. You see, in the world, they have a type of positive thinking. Isn't that right? You go to the bookshop and you can read self-help. There's a difference between the hope of the world and our hope in God. What's the difference? We have biblical foundation. Our hope is in God's faithfulness. Amen. The God who does not change. Because in the world, you could be positive, but you have no guarantee. But with God, you have a guarantee. And what's the guarantee? That actually, listen to this, you can expect good things. Why? Because Christ became what you were in order for you to become what he is. Let me say it differently. Christ got what you deserved so that you can get what he deserved. That's what happened on the cross at Calvary. Say amen. Let me say it one more time. I don't think everybody followed. He, Jesus, got what you deserved. Isn't that right? On the cross, he was punished. He was striped. The Bible says, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. He received our curses, our sicknesses, our pun. He got what we deserved. Why? so that we could get what he deserved. Now, here's the question. What does he deserve? What does God the Father want to give to Jesus? Because of this, every blessing, everything possible. He looks at his son and he says, Son, hallelujah, sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies your footstool. I will lift your name above all names. I will give you the kingdoms. Hallelujah. Amen. So what he deserves, you and I are going to get because of his grace. Say amen. Hallelujah. Not what you deserve, but what he deserves, you are going to participate in. 
Just quickly look at this for your future. The Bible says in Psalm 35, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen. You know, it's not just you who wants to prosper. He wants you to prosper. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. Amen. He's going to help you get prosperous. Jesus said, if you parents who are evil give good gifts to your children, so much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts. Tell your neighbor, good things are coming your way. Hallelujah. Amen. God's going to give you good gifts. So number four, think with me here, reject merit. In English, merit. Or just desserts. Desserts is another word. You need to forget that way of thinking. Reject it. We're not doing trade with God. Bargains with God. He's so rich, he doesn't need to sell. He already has everything. And you're so poor, you cannot buy. Huh? But here's the good news. He wants to give you things freely. 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 Amen. Just because you believe, by faith, all things become possible. So none of us are accepted before God because of our merit, because of our righteousness. No. We are saved not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. We are saved not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. Amen. That's how we're saved. But also, it's how we are blessed. Some people understand this for salvation, but they don't understand it for blessing. Huh? You're going to be blessed, not because of your merit, but because of His merit. It's the same thing for all the blessings of God. Amen. So, there's only two ways to come before God. Two ways to get blessed. What are those two ways? Either if you have a life without sin, or you uh, take blood, or you trust in blood. Are you following me here today? Is anybody here without sin? Uh, anybody believe they've never sinned, never will sin? Only the very proud man would say so. Uh, so if all of us have sinned, then we need to use the other way to go to God. Amen? By blood. And the scripture teaches us, thank you guys, the scripture teaches us that under the old covenant and the new covenant, a lamb was needed to approach God. A lamb. The only thing, the only difference is the lamb is different now. Let me explain. Under the old covenant, every year, as a person who had sinned, you needed to take a lamb to the temple, to the priest, and that lamb needed to be sacrificed. Okay? And that would cover your sins for the year. But you would always need to go back the next year. Are you following what I'm saying? Also, the blood of that lamb, okay, didn't remove sin. It just covered temporarily. Like a credit card doesn't pay the debt, but it covers the debt. It delays the debt. 
That's the old covenant. But friends, we have a new covenant. The Bible says it's a better covenant with better or superior promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not done with the blood of lambs from the Hossa Jigoyais. Amen. <laughs> this is done with the blood of the Lamb from the throne of God. Say amen. And because his blood is perfect and pure, then his sacrifice, the Bible says, was once and for all. Amen. It never needs to be repeated. Isn't that right? His blood has not just covered sin, delayed payment. His blood has paid the full price for sin once and forever. Say amen. amen. In fact, his payment was an overpayment. Grace superabounds. Amen. His blood paid for all your past sins, present sins, and future sins. Amen. I like the picture of the cross. You see Jesus' hands being stretched to the left and to the right. This is pictorial to help you understand his work. In other words, stretching to the left, he reached out from Jerusalem to the east. He went through Iraq and Iran and India and Pakistan and China and the Philippines and all the way to Japan. And he took their sins. And then he reached westward all the way through Turkey and Greece and Italy and Spain and France and England, hallelujah, and all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to Canada, United States, Mexico, Peru, Colombia, coming down to Chile and coming right into Goiania, Goiás, and took our sins upon the cross. Say amen. His left hand went to the past. It went to the generations before Calvary. The times of the, the prophets, the times of the judges, the times of the kings, the times of the patriarchs. He reached all the way into the Garden of Eden and took Adam's first sin upon himself. And then his other hand went to the future. This 2,000 years ago, his hand stretched out in our direction through the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Reformation Ages, through the Age of the Empire, through 1800s and 1900s and the 20th century and reaching into 2021 and going further to the future, right to the end of the age. He reached out and grabbed all the sins and put them upon himself. Jesus' blood has taken away every sin. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. I need you to see this. When a man took the lamb, an Israelite, took the lamb to the temple to be sacrificed for his sins, he would meet with the priest and the priest would take the lamb and inspect it to see if it had any spot or blemish. Say spot. Blemish. I'm teaching you English tonight. <laughs> and if the lamb was perfect, 
Okay? The man would lay hands on the lamb. And this would transfer his sins upon the lamb. And then the pureness of the lamb onto him. It was an exchange. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The same with Jesus now. But here's the point. The priest didn't look at the man for perfection. He looked at the lamb for perfection. God doesn't look at us for perfection. He looks at Jesus Christ, the lamb of God for perfection. If you trust in him, every sin, past, present, and future, gets transferred onto Jesus. And all of his righteousness gets transferred onto you. Hallelujah. It's not a question of how good you are. It's a question of how good is the lamb. And he is the perfect lamb. Amen. So I do hope you enjoyed that and you would do me a favor and certainly do other people a favor um, if you could share this message. I know there are a lot of people out there who perhaps would be down in the dumps because of their circumstances and situations. But I think really what I've shared in this message can help anyone anywhere really get back on their feet and start living life to the full again. So do feel free to share it. Do tune in to the podcast next week and do have a really, really blessed week. God bless you.